I never was a phone reader or ebook reader, but now that I have children, I have no choice. <laughs> hey readers, I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next, episode 206. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on the show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we'll talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. My guest today is Jarrell Everett, a Florida reader who is serious about creating her ideal reading life. When Jarrell had kids and found herself picking up books less and less, she took action to maintain her reading life by enforcing a routine. And when she decided it was time to branch out from her comfort zone of nonfiction and introduce more novels into her rotation, she took action again by reaching out to What Should I Read Next for help. Today, Jarell and I are talking about parenthood, complex family stories, and the tricky task of avoiding book hangovers. Let's get to it. Jarell, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Here on What Should I Read Next, we try to represent a broad variety of readers. And when you put in your submission for the show, you hope that we could focus on a very specific experience you've had. Can you tell me a little about that? I was actually listening to an episode. Of course, I don't remember which one it was. I guess I always assumed that you always had like celebrities or like people with big platforms on the show. And you mentioned that you had an intake form for listeners. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to do it and see what happens. There have been a lot of moms, but I hadn't heard any moms with small children. And I read a lot and I post a lot of the books that I read on Instagram and people are always asking me like, how are you reading with little kids? (laughs) And so I thought, oh, that might be something really interesting to talk to Anne about. Well, I am so glad you did. And I'm glad you mentioned that because a big misconception that listeners have of this show is that we do always talk to professional Mm -hmm. book people or people with huge platforms. And I think the reason that listeners assume that is when you take a reader and you give them a microphone that makes them sound real good (laughs) and you ask them questions about something that they are completely expert at, that they know backwards and forwards, that they could talk about all day long and that is their reading life. They sound like a pro, but at least half of our episodes are with readers who they're not professional book people. Right. We want listeners to feel like, oh, that person could be my sister, my friend, my teacher, my neighbor, my dog sitter, my, you know, it could be me. And that's how we want people to feel. And so I'm so glad you did. Me too. And listeners, that form is at what should I read next podcast.com slash guest. So Jarrell, You have a young child and it sounds like motherhood and parenthood has really changed your reading life. Yes, I actually have three young children, all girls, almost four, just turned two and seven months old. So Uh I'm very busy. And for my oldest daughter's first year of life, I didn't read anything except for parenting and sleep books. Like no reading for fun. When I was pregnant with her, I read all pregnancy books. And then all I read about was sleep. After, I think when I was pregnant with my second or right after she was born, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get go back to my normal reading life. Maybe not as much as I used to read, but mm-hmm. I just missed reading so much. And so I made it a rule, especially after my third was born. I made it a rule that when I was nursing her, I would read. So I would read on my phone or on my iPad. Since she's been born, I've read like 15 books or something. She's seven months old. Seven months, 15 books. 
So we're all about quality, not quantity around here. But if you wanted to read more, it sounds like you're doing it. Yeah, I've just been making it a priority. Sometimes I will watch Downton Abbey episodes and sometimes I read. And I always feel better going to bed after I've read because I just feel like, I don't know, I get so excited. I love reading so much and I get so excited to read a good book. And Mm -hmm. I also, that's a form of self-care for me. Like, you know, I'm with the kids all day, but that kind of takes me out of the mom space into whatever space, you know, that book is about. I'm very glad that I made that a priority again. Yeah. And it's interesting how that can be something that you feel like you're doing for you, Mm -hmm. even if you're doing it while you're, you know, have your child on your lap and are feeding them. Exactly. Exactly. So how do you choose what to read next, Jarelle? I tend to choose nonfiction books. I love nonfiction. And so when I was growing up, I always read like celebrity autobiographies, (laughs) like one of the earliest. Wait, why are you laughing? (laughs) Because it's so funny to me to think that as like a 12 year old, I was reading one of the earlier books that I can remember. I think she was Miss America. She won when I was younger and she was deaf. I, I should have Googled her name before. Oh, yes, I do. Because I used to watch the pageant at night. My mom would let me stay up late. Yes. And so I remember after she won, she wrote a book and I could not wait to read it. And I read the whole thing. And like, it was about her life. I don't remember how old I was. And I just would tear through those books and like singers, autobiographies. And then all through my life, I've always gravitated towards nonfiction, but I'm really trying to pick up fiction more now. And I actually really enjoy it, but I'm a little bit picky about fiction. What do you think it is that pulls you towards nonfiction? Does it speak to your natural interests? Is it a safety zone? I like to write. I've always loved to write. And so I write nonfiction though. Like if I've had a blog off and on through college and now into motherhood. And so it speaks to me as a writer, but it also, I just love to hear other people's stories. I love reading a book and feeling like I can find some of my own story in their story. I have a law degree. I was English major. I'm a little bit of a researcher type of personality. If I want to learn something about it, I like to read about it. So I think that's what also draws me to nonfiction as well. Oh, that's interesting. You know, those are qualities of the avid reader profile. That if they want to cook something, they look in a book. If they want to know something, they look in a book. That's so me. (laughs) To the point that my husband's like, okay, calm down on the research. Especially when my first (laughs) baby was born, I was like reading everything, researching everything. I've had to check tone it down a little bit. (laughs) Okay. So when you said that you were reading nonfiction just for, you're reading about sleep and was it parenting and sleep? Is that what you said? Yeah, like mostly sleep. <laughs> she didn't okay. sleep that well. <laughs> oh, my heart goes out to you. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten better. Been there. They've gotten better and I've gotten better as I've had more children. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. So in that early period of motherhood, mm-hmm. when you were just reading about parenting and sleep, did you enjoy that? Did that get you what were you were looking for? I actually did because I feel like when you have a baby and you go home, even if you were like I nannied through college, I went home with that baby and felt like I knew nothing. So reading about like um, what to expect when you're expecting and what to expect, I think it's called what to expect during your baby's first year. Like even if it was just like at six months, your baby will start to sit up. Like I didn't know. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. So it gave Mm -hmm. me comfort to read those things and think, oh, that's normal. Cause I was, especially with her, I had some postpartum anxiety. So like every little thing that she would do, I'd be like, is she sick? Is something wrong with her? So Mm -hmm. it helped me to Mm -hmm. read about, okay, it's normal if your child is still waking up two or three times at this age. And then at this Mm -hmm. age, then it's okay to, you know, try to stretch them a little bit. So 
it just gave mm-hmm. me a lot of comfort and helped me to not feel like I was alone and unprepared <laughs> to parent mm-hmm. this little human. Yeah, it's funny when we talk about how a good book can make you feel not alone. Mm-hmm. I love hearing how there are many different ways that statement can apply to all of us in our reading lives. Yes. And yet here you are now wanting to read more fiction. What prompted that? Is goal the right word? Yeah, it was a goal. Partly because like I said, I do love to write and I want to start to write more. I'm actually in the very beginning stages of writing a, I call it like a mini memoir, not really like a memoir Mm. of my life, but a memoir of like my transition into motherhood. My tendency is to just say, okay, I'm going to read all the nonfiction books about motherhood. But I think to be a well-rounded writer, I need to read fiction as well. On the flip side of that, I think just in my personal reading life, I love that fiction can give me a complete escape. Like I can just really immerse myself in the story to, and when I finish it, I'm sad that it's over. I don't always feel that with nonfiction. <laughs> there are some nonfiction writers like Kelly Gor- Corrigan, when her books are over, I'm sad. But a lot of times it's like, okay, that was good. And then you're on to the next thing. But with fiction, sometimes when you read that last chapter, you're like, oh, is it over? Like, I just want to read more. You know, I want to hear more of the story. So I love that about fiction. But I just, I have to kind of push myself to get into it. And then once I'm in it, I'm like, oh, this is so good. Why don't I read more of this? How do you talk yourself into picking up a novel? First, from your show, I have heard a lot of descriptions of books on your show that I'm like, oh, that sounds really good. And so that's one. And then also Goodreads. I love to read other people's reviews and also Bookstagram. Bookstagram and Goodreads Mm -hmm. kind of prompt me to pick up books, especially if you find like a bookish twin, they say. Um, (laughs) And you're like, okay, I know that person and I like a lot of the same books. So if they said, this is good, then I'm going to go read it. And I've also found that Reviewing books myself has really helped me to kind of hone what I like and what I feel about books. I think before I didn't really understand, like I would read a book and I'd be like, "Eh," and I wouldn't think about it as much. But now I'm like, okay, this is what I did like about that book. This is what I didn't. And I want to read more books that have this in it. You know, I think it's so interesting how when you are forced to articulate what resonates with you and what does not it, it really does help you pick your next It really does. With, with greater care and yeah, hopefully it'll make you happier. Not that being happy is the only reason to pick up a good novel, but I mean. I think you'll find I, I actually would, like books that are sad. <laughs> I've learned that about myself. I like heavy reads. <laughs> we can go there. We can go there, Jarrell. Okay. I want to time out to address a listener frequently asked question. And that is Bookstagram is not a special app. It's not a special website. We're talking about the book and reading community on Instagram. Yes, And I'm so excited that that's working for you. So I imagine that on Goodreads, on Bookstagram, on the show, your ears are perking up at like, oh, that title sounds interesting. That cover looks pretty. Let me add it to my list. Yes, my list is never ending. (laughs) (laughs) Has that always been the case? I think it's worse now. My husband, if he listens to this, he's going to laugh. I've always been a compulsive shopper. So I will go to the bookstore and say, I'm going to buy one book and I will leave with 10. I've always been like that, but it's gotten so much worse, I think, since Bookstagram and Goodreads because I hear about so many more books. You know, like if I go to uh, Barnes & Noble or a smaller bookstore, I'm just looking at kind of what they have on display 
But with Bookstagram, I'm seeing things that I've never heard of, authors I've never heard of. So that just makes Mm -hmm. my list, my want to read list on Goodreads is out of control. And yet we're looking for new titles for your to be read list. I know. (laughs) Are you okay with this plan? Yes, I'm fine with it. I actually, another thing that your show did for me was to send me back to the library. I had kind of gotten out of the habit. I guess when I graduated from college, I just kind of forgot about the library. And so yeah. now I go and I, I use, um, what's it called? Overdrive Libby on my uh-huh. phone, which I never was a phone reader or ebook reader. But now that I have children, I have no choice. <laughs> so <laughs> I use that app through my library a lot to read books. So that I am saving money that way, but it still yeah. doesn't help the length of my to be read list. <laughs> it balances out the compulsive shopping for books. Yes. Uh, tell me a little bit about the library where you are in Orlando, because you're pretty new to that community, aren't you? I am. We've been here for about a year and a half. I'm from Northern Virginia area. To be honest, I'm not, I haven't found my right location for the libraries here. I go and I, it's kind of hard for me to find things. They they do have a lot of great digital books, but I haven't found a branch that like really speaks to me, but there is mm-hmm. Winter Park, Florida. It's like a little bit north of Orlando. It's like a smaller community. I actually got a reciprocal card from their library because I was able to find things a little bit better. And it just, it's one location. So it's, I don't know what the word is, but it's just more like homey or comforting when you go in Mm -hmm. there. I don't know if that makes sense, but trying to find my location that feels like my library. I haven't found it yet. Okay. Listeners, if you have recommendations for Orlando area libraries, we need to hear about them in comments. But you found the audiobooks. Yes, I did. I've only listened to a few audiobooks. I for some reason I can't I can listen to a podcast, but I feel like I miss things when I listen to an audiobook. So I'm still trying to find my perfect audiobook type, but I do a lot of Kindle reading in the Kindle app on my phone through the library. All right. Well, I can't wait to hear what you found that has worked for you. Are you ready to talk about your books, Jarell? I am. I'm very excited. Well, you know how this works. You are going to tell me three books you love, one book you don't, and what you've been reading lately. And we will talk about what you may enjoy reading next. So how did you choose these books? I decided to choose one that I read a long time ago that I loved, and then two more recent, just because they were more fresh in my mind. So do you want me to just go straight into that? Sure. What did you choose for your first book? Okay. So my first book was A Woman Is No Man by, I think it's Etaf Rum. I actually read it as a part of um, the Read with Jenna book club from the Today Show. Oh, okay. And I love this book so much. I hugged it when I was finished and I ran into the kitchen and I told my husband the whole story and he was like, why are you reading these sad stories? But um, (laughs) it's a book about a Palestinian American family. It's three generations that, and it focuses on the women in the family. The second generation, they move from Palestine to America and it just talks about the cultural differences and their marriages and their family. It's, I don't want to give too much away, but it is a heartbreaking story, but it's also beautiful and just the writing was so good. I just loved it. I couldn't put it down. I just loved it so much. And that is one of those books that's like, okay, this was fiction. I loved it. Now I want to read more like this. I'm guessing, okay, I haven't seen the Today Show in like a bazillion <laughs> years, but I do like the books mm-hmm. that I know that Jenna Bush Hager has been yes. picking so far. So what did she say about it that made you think, oh yeah, I'm going to give that a try? Oh man, what did she say? I think she talked about, 
the family. She, I've noticed that she picks, she's very close with her family. So she always picks books that are about family dynamics. She also picked The Last Romantics. She chose The Dearly Beloved, didn't she? Yes, that was, okay. I think, the last one. And now she's doing The Dutch House by Ann Patchett. Um, mm-hmm. And so she just really loves family novels. So I think it was that and also the fact that it was about the Palestinian-American family and about um, Muslim culture. I don't really know that much about that. So I found that really interesting and was intrigued I love that she loves to read and I love that she talks about reading on the show. So mm-hmm. I was really excited to just support, I mean, the little bit of support that I, yeah. one person, give yeah. by reading with her. So Jenna loves family stories and you are on board with that. I love family stories. I come okay. from a very close family. I have two siblings. My grandmother and I talk on the phone every single day. Like my cousins, oh. we all went to school together. So that yeah. I really speaks to me because that's the kind of family. You're just a close-knit family is what I came from. So I love yeah. to read about that. All right. What did you choose for book two? Book two is The Year of Magical Thinking by Joan Didion. And this mm-hmm. book, I... Don't want to sound dramatic, but I think this book really changed my life. This was one of the first books that I read after I graduated from college, just purely for pleasure. I was an English major, so I read a lot in college. Um, And I read a lot of good things, but this was the first thing that I picked up just for myself, just to read. And I read this book in, I think, one day. I think I just sat down and read it. I love Joan Didion's writing. And I love that this was a memoir, even though it's a memoir about grief, about um, I don't think this is a spoiler because, you know, if you've read the back mm-hmm. of it, um, but it's about her husband's sudden death and the period after and just her grief. But I love that even though she's a huge writer and she's so famous, it was just like a normal wife mourning her husband and how she went through the day. And it made me realize that memoirs don't always have to be a glass castle or an educated, which are fantastic books, but there's also something about a book that's about something that nearly everyone will experience. I just loved it. Her writing is amazing. Everybody should read it. And then the last book is, and now we have everything by Megan O'Connell. And this is another nonfiction pick, probably not as well known, but I loved it. It's a memoir about Megan O'Connell's unexpected pregnancy and then kind of her postpartum period. It's like a nonfiction book that's just kind of about everyday life, something that most people experience, but just told from her point of view. And I don't think it's for everyone. I just have to say that it's not. Why do you say that? Because it's very, number one, it's very raw. So if you haven't had a child, and you are not looking to hear the nitty gritty details. You might want to skip this one until after. Um, like, I don't think I would recommend this to a pregnant woman, <laughs> not because it's traumatic, but it just definitely talks about some of the not so beautiful parts of birth and postpartum. And it's also just, I don't want to say it's heavy, but it's not one of those feel good. When I finish this, I'm going to be saying, oh, motherhood is so beautiful. And it is. And you do feel that. But you also, she also talks about the hard stuff and the, you know, feeling trapped when you're nursing your baby and nobody else can (laughs) feed the baby or feeling that push and pull between career and motherhood. And I loved it, but I just, I read some reviews that some people thought that it was a little bit too dark. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't call it dark, but I just read some reviews about that. All right. Well, that sounds really interesting. So 
it sounds like that was well-written and also very yes. relatable for you. Was that a right book at the right time or just the right book? Definitely. I think I read that book while I was pregnant with my third child and I ended up being on bed rest with her. It was a really tough pregnancy for me. And so I think it was, there were a lot of things that weren't the same for me. Like she was not married. So hers was really unexpected. And so it was part of her relationship and motherhood. So there were some things I couldn't relate to, but there were some things that it was like, she pulled it right out of my head and put it onto the page. And I, so I just love that. I went through it so quickly and I'm planning to read it again because I just really, really enjoyed it. Okay. That's high praise. Yeah. <laughs> Jarell, tell me about a book that was not for you. Okay. This one, I did not hate this book, but I also didn't love it. <laughs> so it's called The Care and Feeding of Ravenously Hungry Girls by Anissa Gray. And I, like I said, I like heavy reads and I also like character development. Like an example of this would be Ask Again, Yes, that I felt like really delved into the characters. And the reason I did not love this book is because I felt a lot of the characters were, is the right word shallow? Like I didn't feel like we got enough of them. I felt that she focused on one character in particular. Well, let me tell what it's about. So in the book, it's another kind of sibling story. One of the siblings and her husband are sent to prison it's kind of about how the whole family deals with that situation without giving too much away. And so there were three sisters and a brother. One of the sisters, I felt the book should have been about her. And she wasn't the character that I felt was the main character, though, when I started it. But I felt that she was the only one that was well-developed. I, I don't know how to explain. I just felt like she didn't she didn't dig in enough. So I felt I finished the story feeling like so many things were unanswered and not like a ending where you feel like that it's unanswered and it's okay. <laughs> to me, it felt like it's unanswered and I don't understand why I just read that. So you're okay with ambiguity, but you felt like the needed information wasn't there. Yeah, I felt like, okay. and I don't, I mean, I think that she, it was well written. And I think I actually read that it was going to be a story about that character and then she changed it and broadened it. And I kind of wish that she had stuck with the original story that she had mm -hmm. because that's where I felt the writing was the best. It's hard to say because I don't want to give it away. <laughs> that's where mm -hmm. her writing shined and everything else felt like she put it in there because she felt like she needed a more well-rounded book. I feel like if people read it, they'll understand. <laughs> so if we do look for a good family novel for you, we want one that shows the whole picture. Yeah, and nothing that... I don't like it when a book throws things in and I don't understand. Like one book, I think you mentioned that you did like this book. I can't remember The Last Romantics. Mm -hmm. There were things in that I loved the sibling dynamic, but there were things in that book that I was like, why is this in here? <laughs> like, I felt like it took away from the story. And I mean, maybe somebody else would read it and think, oh, I understand why that was in there. But mm -hmm. to me, I was just like, that's unnecessary. Oh, to be an editor. Right. <laughs> right. I can't imagine. Sometimes do you find yourself thinking, or is it just me? Like, you know, this book was good, but I wish the publisher had sent this manuscript my way first. <laughs> I would have had some yes, suggestions. Especially when it's a book that's really hyped and then I read it and I'm like, hmm. It was okay. And I'm like, well, what's wrong with me? Am I just crazy? I think that's the beauty of reading. I can read something and you can read something and we can both love it. We can both hate it or we can have gotten uh -huh. two totally different experiences out of it. Well, and sometimes I'll have a reading experience like that and I'll go to book club and I will be educated as to why it was done the way it was done. I'm like, oh, I get it. Yes. And sometimes you go and everybody else is like, uh-huh. <laughs> <Right>. Yep. <laughs> Jarrell, what are you reading right now? I just finished I Miss You When I Blink by Mary Laura Philpot. 
And I really love that. It reminded me of a Kelly Corrigan, kind of like, tell me more. Um, So I really enjoyed that one. I also finished Where the Crawdads Sing not that long ago. And that was one of those that was hyped. And I did enjoy it, but I didn't love it the way that everybody else did. I have not read that one. I mean, it was, it was, (laughs) I don't even know how to describe it, to be honest. I did love the story. There was a lot of nature writing that I kind of wasn't my thing, but I think that's just because I'm not really into that. It's not on my top 10 or anything. Gotcha. And then at the time you sent in your submission, you had just finished Ask Again, Yes. And you said it was so good that you hadn't been able to get through anything else since. Oh my gosh. Yes. I loved that book so much. I never, whenever I would hear people say that they had a book hangover, I was like, what does that mean? This book gave me a book hangover. I couldn't get into anything afterwards because everything fell flat for me for like a while (laughs) after I read it. It was just so so well written so all the characters were so deep and rich and just recommended it to my friend and she didn't like it because I think she felt like there wasn't enough action but that's what I loved about it because she spent her time developing those characters and their relationships and just talking about life in a way that I just thought was beautiful I love that book so much Jarell what do you want to be different in your reading life I want to diversify my reading list. I've been working on that, like trying to read more books by women. I actually have mainly been reading all books by women recently um, and more diverse books like A Woman Is No Man and more fiction, more different kinds of fiction. I've actually never read a historical fiction novel, I don't think. I've never read... I just, like I said, I focus a lot on nonfiction. So I'm just trying to broaden my reading scope. And the other thing I find that I kind of go, there's some months where I read a ton and then there's like long stretches where I don't read anything. Actually, I didn't read, finish a book from January to May of this year. And then in May, I started reading a ton and I've read a ton since then. But when I get busy with my kids or, which I guess is normal, but reading, like I said, is a self-care thing for me. So I want to become more consistent, even if it's just five minutes right before I fall asleep, making sure that I'm getting that reading in every day because it just makes me feel so much better, helps me to use my brain in a different way Mm -hmm. and gets me away from the TV. Okay. We can work with that. So the books you loved were A Woman Is No Man by Itaf The Year of Magical Thinking by Joan Didion, and And Now We Have Everything on Motherhood Before I Was Ready by Megan O'Connell. Mm-hmm. Not For You was The Care and Feeding of Ravenously Hungry Girls by Anissa Gray, and you have several titles you're reading right now. Okay, and we're looking to diversify your personal library mm-hmm. in both genre and author, background, perspective, identity, and to build some consistency into your reading life. What format do you read books in right now? I think I mostly read on my phone and my iPad because I read, you know, before preschool pickup, if they Uh fall asleep in the car, Uh I don't have as much time to read a physical book. That makes sense. A lot of my reading time is like nap time in the car. So it's a lot of eBooks right now. Do you do any audiobooks? I want to, but I, I'm very picky about the narrator. That is something that I want to do too, because I do like it. I just finished, oh goodness, the, you are the girl for the job by Jess Connolly. I read, I actually bought the book and I got it on audiobook and I loved it. She narrated it herself and she was so passionate with her reading that I loved. But then I actually tried, um, bird by bird by Anne Lamott. 
and I couldn't listen to it, even though I love that book. I couldn't listen to it because I couldn't focus. I kept zoning out. And then I'm like, wait, where, where am I? I've already gone through half the book and I don't even remember what I read. So I just want to find the right audiobook with the right narrator. The reason I was wondering is that there's a real tricky point when you finish one book mm-hmm. and haven't yet begun another. And I was thinking of how we can bridge that gap between the last page and the first page. So there's a couple things you could do. And I'm just going to toss out things that other listeners have found successful. And if your ears perk up at one of these, fantastic. Okay. Now, some people read multiple books at once. Some people say like, I cannot do that. But a lot of listeners say I can read one nonfiction, one fiction at the same time, like two books that are totally different. One like fact-based research-driven book and one escapist Mm-hmm. novel, but not like two novels both set in 1960s about messy families in Brazil. Right. Like that's that's too <laughs> right. similar. If you're able to do that, what it does is it leaves you never without a book in progress. And the same is true for audio. Like that can also be a format that you could build into your repertoire yes. perhaps, because that way the odds of you finishing two or three books at the same time are very small. Mm -hmm. But then something else that it sounds like you're doing is to have a nice stack of books that you are excited about reading next, whether they're loaded on your iPad, ready to listen to, where they're already downloaded, whether you have them requested from the library. So they're going to trickle in, you know, one every couple of weeks, right when you expect to be ready for them, whether you have physical books actually stacked on your nightstand, if you want to read before bed, like you mentioned, just five minutes, it keeps you reading every day. And that's another thing that works for readers is to just set a goal to read a little bit every day, even for five minutes, because then what, whatever you're doing, <laughs> going back to childhood sleep, something that was a real surprise to me when I became a parent is you think an exhausted child can sleep really well or an exhausted, you know, 30 something woman, depending on the situation. It turns out it's good sleep that begets yes. more sleep. It's not bad sleep that begets good sleep. And the same is true for the reading life. Like reading begets yes. more reading. In a reading drought begets more of the so same. True. So we want to keep you reading. Yes. And the other problem is, well, it's not a problem, but I'm a very fast reader. So I can finish a book in a day or two. And then, especially if it's like a good week with my kids. And if I don't have something mm-hmm. right there to go to next, you know, I'm like, oh, well, then I'll pick and it's too many choices. And then, you know, next thing I know, it's been two weeks and I haven't started a new book. So. Right, right, right. And I'm sure a lot of listeners are like, oh, you read fast, cry me a river. <laughs> but really, that means that you have, you face yes. that gap potentially more yes. often and you have to choose how to fill it. And we all know that's not easy. I mean, it can totally be a problem of abundance, yeah. <laughs> but it's still, it still is tricky. It is. It's definitely tricky, especially because you you have so many good options and you're like, oh, well, maybe I'll do that. You know, it just, it's becomes too many options and I finished one and I just, I don't know. It's like paralyzed with, with reading choices. All right. Well, we're going to try to find you a few good books to break through that okay. paralysis and give you something Sounds good to read. Good. Several somethings, I hope. Okay. Keeping in mind what you are looking for. I've got three family stories in mind. Do you want to double down like that? Triple down? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. And two are historical. Oh, okay. Good. I'm excited. And only one is not very well heard of. So we'll see. I, f- I, feel, I feel pretty good that this will be new to you, but maybe I'm wrong. Okay. I'm thinking of the book Honor by Elif Shafak. Do you know this one? No, I don't. Okay. She is probably best known for a fairly recent release called Three Daughters of Eve. But for you, I want to go back to this one. It's historical. Elif Shafak is a Turkish 
British novelist. She writes literary fiction in English. The themes that you mentioned in your books, especially A Woman Is No Man, really made me think like, oh, this could be an interesting story for you. The novel spans many years. It's mostly set in the 70s, but we go back in time all the way to the 40s to tell the history of this complicated family. It's a Muslim family. The parents are from Turkey, as is Shafak herself. It's a story that explores the tension between doing what you know you should, doing what you have been brought up to do, doing what your religion tells you you should do, Mm -hmm. and doing what you believe to be good and doing what you believe is right for your own life. And this is a high stakes, complicated family novel. And I think this is one of those stories where you don't want to know too much going in, Mm -hmm. but I don't think I can go too far wrong telling you the opening line. So this story begins, my mother died twice and it's spoken by one twin sister who grew up in Turkey with her twin and with a brother. She left the country with her husband to make a life for herself in London. But in 1992, she is on her way to get her brother out of prison. He's been incarcerated there for almost 15 years for murder. Okay. So at the very beginning, you know that this horrible thing happened, but you have no idea what brought this family to that point. And to understand, you go all the way back through the history of these sisters and their brother and their parents and why she left and what happened. And the title is significant. I think some listeners will know immediately when they pick up this book what it means. Mm -hmm. For others, it will dawn on you more slowly. But I think this family story set thoroughly in its time and place and culture and the way people are constrained by and fight against those bonds, those rules, and those family ties could be really fascinating to someone with your interests. How does that sound? So good. Okay. That is Honor by Alif Shafak. Okay. The next novel is newer and might not be unfamiliar to you. This is The Most Fun We Ever Had by Clara Lombardo. Do you know it? I have heard of it. I haven't read it, but I've heard of it. Well, I think this might be up your alley because it's a multi-generational, you know, I almost called it a dysfunctional family novel, (laughs) but the dysfunctional is not quite the right description here. So it's about a married couple. This couple, they have four daughters. And at the moment in time where the book opens, they are each like deeply embroiled in personal crisis. And we get an up close and personal look at what exactly each one is going through. And I said, it's not dysfunctional exactly because something that I didn't expect that I thought was kind of a weird kind of fun was the book talks about how their parents' happy marriage was almost like oppressively happy because they grew up watching their parents' relationship and thought like, oh, can't do better than that. We're screwed. Don't even bother trying. It's totally dysfunctional, but it's not, it's not like ask again. Yes. Okay. Because they're going through their own crisis, but you also see them supporting each other as they all deal with their own junk and not like in a real sappy or melodramatic way, but in a way that is just very human, but also really interesting to read about. And I said that these daughters are each dealing with their own crisis. That is true. It's not necessarily true when the story opens Mm -hmm. because the inciting incident here is that of the four sisters, two who were born very, very close together, have always been particularly close. Mm. But one who has gone through an epic amount of personal 
grief and loss, which makes me think like the themes in Didion, Mm. the themes in the O'Connell book about unexpected motherhood, like, oh my goodness. So you would be reading a novel that is hitting those themes so hard because one of the daughters, at the very beginning of the story, two sisters come to lunch. Um, They've always been close. They haven't talked as much lately. And one of the sisters brings an unexpected guest. And that guest is the son the other sister gave up in a closed adoption 15 years prior. She never thought she'd see this boy again. And her sister shows up with him. She's like, what are you doing to my life? The book follows one tumultuous year in the life of this family, beginning when that poor boy walks into the restaurant and his presence really shakes up the family and brings back long buried secrets. I want to tell you who knew what about what happened when, but I can't because that's part of the mystery of the book. Something that you should know about this is that a lot of readers have read it and been like, ah, it's over 500 pages. Couldn't you have trimmed a few characters mm. and trimmed 100 pages? But it didn't read as long to me. It went really fast. And I think that's because the story keeps moving Mm -hmm. and because I really enjoyed the way she was able to fully explore every character. That's perfect for me. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. So that is The Most Fun We Ever Had by Claire Lombardo. Oh man, these are all so good. I'm so excited. (laughs) Oh, I'm happy to hear it. And another one that I think may be up your alley is another recent release. This is Dominicana by Angie Cruz. Is this one you're familiar with? No, I don't think I've heard of this one. Well, I think this could also be a really good pick for you. And this is historical fiction. It's not set in the distant past. It mostly takes place in 1965. But you're a researcher Mm -hmm. by nature. You like that direction. The author, Angie Cruz, based much of this story on her mother's own experience. And she did her own great amounts of research interviewing all her family members about uh, what their life was like in the 60s and about her family history and what happened. And she began to see like, what you're telling me is interesting, but there's a story here about what you're not Mm -hmm. telling me that also came to be significant in the story. At the heart of this story is a young girl named Anna. She's 15 She lives in the Dominican Republic. Her family, of course, wants great things for her, and they want to survive as a family, um, literally and economically. And to do so, they decide to marry her daughter off to a 32-year-old businessman. They begin discussing this relationship when she's 11. Um, The man is very interested in the young girl. Of course, that should make you go, hmm. But at the time they marry, he's 32, she's 15. It's a business arrangement. It's made by her parents, and the point is survival. The mother says, like, I promise you nothing bad will happen to you. You're going to go to New York because Juan is always going back and forth to New York for business, and you'll clean, and you'll cook, and you will be such a good wife. He'll want to come home every night. And you'll take good care of him and you'll iron his clothes. And as soon as we can, we will come to New York when you send for us and we can be together again. So there's this interesting tension here again, lots of tension in these family sagas, because at first it seems so clear that her family is valuing their needs over Anna's. But as the story unfolds, you see that the parents have so much to fear for her future 
at home were she to stay there too. But of course, she goes to New York and it turns out Juan is not much of a man and he's a terrible husband, Mm -hmm. but he travels back and forth between the DR and New York often enough that she flounders at first. She's naive. She doesn't know how the world works. She doesn't know that much about herself, but um, she's strong and spirited and that makes her really fun to read about. And especially as he does leave often and recurringly, she is able to find her way and make a life for herself on her own, independent of her family and independent of him. And I think this could be a really good fit for you. What do you think? That reminds me a lot of A Woman Is No Man. Different, but it's very reminiscent of it. So that sounds really great. Okay. That is Dominicana by Angie Cruz. Okay, Jarrell. Of those three books, we discussed Honor by Elif Shafak, which is the oldest of the books we've talked about today. So that could be that could be a good choice to investigate getting from your library. Yeah. The Most Fun We Ever Had by Claire Lombardo, and that came out in May of 2019. And Dominicana by Angie Cruz. This is a more recent fall 2019 release. Of those three books, what do you think you'll read next? Oh my goodness, that's so hard because I want to read all three of them and I'll probably get them all as soon as we stop talking. (laughs) Oh man, I don't know. They all sound so good. But I think I might start with Honor. Like you said, it's the oldest. I'm going to see if I can find it at the library. I think I might start with that, but I'm definitely going to read all three of them before the end of the year. I'm super excited. Well, Honor is not long, so maybe we can get that reading snowball going. Yes. And you can just roll on through into the next reads. Yes, that sounds good. I like actually that, what is it, the most fun we ever had? Uh I actually like that that's a longer book. So maybe I'll like save that for when we go visit family for Thanksgiving and I can hide (laughs) in a room and read. (laughs) Very, very excited. These are all great recommendations. I'm so happy to hear it. Well, I can't wait to hear what you choose and what you think. And thank you so much for talking books with me today. Thank you. Hey readers, I hope you enjoyed my discussion with Jarrell, and I'd love to hear what you think she should read next. That page is at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 206, and it's where you will find the full list of titles we talked about today. You can follow today's guest Jarrell on Instagram at Jarrell Everett. That's J-E-R-R-E-L-L-E-V-E-R-E-T-T, Jarrell Everett. Subscribe now so you don't miss next week's episode in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. We will see you next week. If you are on Twitter, let me know there at Ann Bogle. That is Ann with an E, B is in books, O-G-E-L. Tag us on Instagram to share what you are reading. You can find me there at Ann Bogle and at What Should I Read Next. Our newsletter subscribers are the first to know all the What Should I Read Next news and happenings. If you're not on the list, you can sign up now at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash newsletter. That's how you'll get our free weekly delivery. If you enjoy this podcast, would you please give us two minutes of your time and leave a review on Apple Podcasts? It doesn't have to be long or fancy. Simply saying, this show is great, would go a long way towards helping other readers find our show. If you enjoyed my book, I'd rather be reading, the same thing totally applies. Please take two minutes to leave a review on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Goodreads, because a review as short and simple as, I enjoyed this book, helps get my words in front of more book lovers. Thank you, readers. And thanks to the people who make the show happen. What Should I Read Next is produced by Brenna Frederick with sound design by Kellen Pekacek. Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, 
awe how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone. <laughs>